0: and slip just common flesh and bones, but I'll prove someday just what I say. I'm a special kind, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. head the blood upon his scarlet robe had stained it crimson red though his eyes were on that crowd that day he looked ahead in time when he was on the cross Oh, ah.
1: in a great cathedral that the Spirit of God chose to fall and it wasn't in a row by they could hear a
2: always been whenever I needed it, and sometimes I think He's not there, and I wonder, well God, when are you going to answer? But He always answers right on time, and I'm thankful for that tonight. Oh, to God's unchanging hand, oh, to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Oh, just hold to God's unchanging hand. Trust in Him. He will not leave you. Whoa!
0: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Praise God. I preach a message titled No Time for Quitting. There's a lot of things that God is, but He's not a quitter he doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and he'll be that way tomorrow he'll be that way the day after he'll be that way the year after he'll be that way the decade after he'll be that way the generation after he'll be that way the century after He's went through six millenniums and he's still the same. Hallelujah! I like that song. And Sister Elder was telling me uh, we was talking after she got done singing at camp, and she, I said, man, I never heard you sing that good before. Hallelujah! We's talking about it. And I gave her the secret I said, Well you don't have to sing real good when Sister Elder's playing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can get up there and sing Mary Had a Little Lamb and she'll bring the house down. <laughs> Praise God. I appreciate my mother and father. I I don't say it very often. it's hard for me to to say compliments, but I I believe in it I think it's good I think we should compliment people more than we criticize them you know I heard a older preacher say something and and I, I believe it he said I've yet to see constructive criticism criticism tears people down I'd much rather work on people's better points than to point out their faults I'm not saying that there isn't a time when they need to recognize some people the only way you recognize it so to speak is to slap them upside the head but I'll leave that for somebody else I'm not that kind of a person Hallelujah. and I appreciate my mother and father appreciate a godly mother and dad that'll teach me the ways of truth not only will they teach me the ways of truth, but they will show to me how to seek after truth. The Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You can, you can be in church all your life, but if you're not hungry for the true things of God, you'll never get them. That's why you see young people that are raised in the church backslide and go out and never live for God. Is because somewhere or another the hunger for the truth of God was never instilled with them. And I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying that against parents. I, don't, I believe the parent can only do so much. Sometime or another the, the young man or the young lady has to come to a revelation that they have to have an experience with God themselves. And they have to hunger and, and, and search after truth. Blessed is he that hungereth, and search after righteousness, for he shall be filled. Hallelujah. But somehow or another, my mother and father relayed to me the hunger to seek after the things of God. And so I appreciate that so much. I want to uh, preach out of the book of Joshua tonight. And I asked the Lord before I come out here why that He gave me a message like this. And when I come out here, I see tonight why He did. Hallelujah. And I really believe the Lord wants to do something miraculous in this service tonight. I... I was inspired by but can i talk a little while i want to know more i don't claim to know everything and i enjoyed that so much this morning i heard i heard a little tidbit from several different sources it's rumored that the jews already have the ark of the covenant back and i've heard that when the ethiopians come back when the Jews went to pick up the Ethiopian Jews the rumor got out that they brought the Ark of the Covenant back with them and it is now in Jerusalem and as he was teaching this morning the chill bumps began to run up and down my spine I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back so soon that we that even preach about it don't even recognize the nearness of the coming of Jesus Christ I don't even know that I understand that I try to pray every day God let me be aware of your coming today because the Bible said that he's coming for those who are looking for him if the good man of the house had known what hour he was coming he would have been ready for him then Jesus said watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour when the son of man cometh Hallelujah. And the Bible said that he's coming after them who are looking for his appearing, his blessed appearing. But I want to tell you something. I really believe with all of my heart that the biggest sign that Jesus Christ is coming back is the lack of awareness. And when there is awareness, the lack of concern. We have our own little religion. Oh, we're saved. If Jesus should come, we we go into rapture tonight. And I like to feel assured that I am saved, but I want to tell you something. I want to hunger in my heart every church service to come and check out my life and see if I'm saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world is turned away from the convicting power of God. I got this out of a book that I read lately. They preach a cheap grace. This saying was written by a, a man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German, who was thrown into a German concentration camp during World War II because of his outspokenness against the godlessness of the Third Reach. But he wrote these words, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion, without confession. Absolution, without personal confession. Cheap grace is a grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. It is under the influence of this kind of grace, quote, unquote, that the world has been made Christians but at the cost of secularizing the Christian religion as never before the Christian life comes to mean nothing more than living in the world and as the world in fact in being prohibited from being different from the world for the sake of grace You know, when the Oak Ridge boys come out, they say, well, we wear our hair long because we want to reach those that have their hair long. And they put the peer pressure on the church to be like the world. The cheap grace has prohibited us from separating ourselves for the sake of the real grace of the cross. The upshot of it all is that my duty as a Christian is to leave the world for an hour or so on a Sunday morning, and go to church to be assured that my sins are all forgiven. I need no longer try to follow Christ, for cheap grace, the bitterest foe of discipleship has freed me from that. The world is preaching religion today, friend. That's the biggest sign that Jesus is coming back. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized in his body, so that like as Christ was raised from the dead, so can we be raised to walk in newness of life. I'm gonna preach a message tonight about a gospel that saves from sin. I'm gonna preach a message tonight about a gospel that's able to deliver you from cigarettes. I'm gonna preach a message tonight about a gospel and a God that's bigger than your alcohol bottle. I'm going to preach a message tonight about a God that's bigger than the lust of this flesh and the peer pressure of this world to conform to the system of this world. If my God wasn't any bigger than that, I'd go out and find a God that was. Let's raise our hands and worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. book of Joshua. This is really on my heart got to be careful. I want to get into this before I ever get started. Joshua chapter 20, but the world tries to pacify somebody to keep them from reaching. It's not an easy thing to get the kingdom of God. It's easy, but yet it's not. It's there, but yet it's not. You can see it, but yet you can't. It is only for those who hunger and thirst after it. And because people reach for it and they don't grasp it, the world tries to make an easier way by just saying, Well, confess confess that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and that God raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. And that inhibits people from reaching after the hunger and following after the hunger that their heart really has for the things of God. Joshua chapter 20 and verse number 1. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you the cities of refuge whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. And I want to drop down and read the names of these cities of refuge. In verse number 7, it gives us the names. And they appointed Kedesh and in Galilee in the Mount Naphtali and Shechem in the Mount of Ephraim. And Kerjath Arba, which is Hebron. Notice the city of Hebron because that's where we're going tonight. Which is Hebron in the Mount of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben. And Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad. And Golan in Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. Now these are the names of the six cities of refuge that God gave to israel for them and for the stranger that sojourneth the next verse said now turn with me to the book of second samuel chapter three second samuel chapter three and i want to read verses number 27 and then i want to drop to verse number 32 and read verse number 32 through verse number 34 second samuel chapter 3 and verse number 27 when abner was returned to hebron joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of azahel his brother verse number 32 and they buried abner in hebron notice they buried him in a city of refuge The wise man said in the book of Ecclesiastes, I saw the wicked come and go, as it were, from the city of the holy. And they were forgotten. They buried Abner in the city of Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died, Abner? As a fool died. Thy hands were not bound, nor thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fellest thou. And all the people wept again over him. Let's ask the Lord to move and speak to our hearts. God, in the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to speak to us for a little while tonight on the subject of just outside the gates of the city just outside the gates of the city the whole testament evolves around God bringing Israel out of Egypt and establishing them as a nation before you'll ever understand the Godhead you must understand in the Old Testament the nation of Israel was the manifestation of God. Now, not literally, but that was what he used as a sign to the other nations of his power. First it was Abraham. Then Abraham had a son called Isaac. Then Isaac had a son called Jacob. Then, a- then Jacob bore the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel, who went into captivity in Egypt, who became a nation in the captivity of Egypt, and then God come and delivered them from the land of Egypt. Now I've heard people kind of, and I want to say this carefully, they kind of demean the term of spiritual visitation. But I want to tell you something. Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, you missed your hour of visitation. I believe in spiritual visitation. I don't believe that the Lord comes and visits and then withdraws, but he used dispensations, he used nations, he used all kinds of things to show himself and his visit to his people. In the Old Testament, God used Israel as a sign to the other nations of his power. Israel was separate from every other nation because every other nation was a pagan nation and a, and a polytheistic nation, which meant that they believed in many gods, but Israel was monotheistic, which meant that, and their, even, their, own, their first commandment even stated, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. Uh, and that's what separated them from the rest of the nations uh, about them. God gave them distinct marks of separation they had the separation of circumcision they had the separation of morality they had the separation of the law that God gave them in the Old Testament God brought him out. It was a tremendous, it was a tremendous visit of God. A lot of people say, well, it was the death angel that visited Egypt, and, and, and the death angel, it wasn't the death angel. God looked at Moses and said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I've looked in the Bible, and I can't find anywhere where a death angel passed through, but I can find out where God himself walked through Egypt that night and delivered his children, just like you. He will Uh, on the day of the rapture, uh, where the Bible said that he's coming with a shout, uh, with a voice uh, of the archangel and with the trump of God. Uh, Hallelujah, I want to tell you something. Uh, He's coming back for his church himself. Uh, He's not sending Gabriel after him. Gabriel's coming with him, Uh, but it's gonna be the Lord uh, that comes back uh, and takes his people away. God visited Egypt! And then people did not recognize that it was God that visited them. And because they did not recognize that God had come and paid his children a visit, his children a visit, there were tremendous tragic implications that that happened to these people and and hazards. They were in the firstborn of every creature died. Not only the firstborn male, child, you gotta understand, if your dad was a firstborn, God took him. If your grandma was a firstborn, God took him. If your sister was the firstborn, God took her. If your mother was the firstborn of the family, God took her. If the father was the firstborn, God took him. It wasn't only the children. The Bible said wherein every household was affected by the visit of God. It was tremendous. When you see the tragedy that happened, you will find out where you would say, ah, you would be like the prophet that said, God was in this place, and I knew it not. If God hadn't brought them out, there never would have been a chosen nation. But he did. He separated them. And the first thing that he done 50 days out in the wilderness, he established law. Now, we're living in a lawless society. People hate law. We are moving in a spirit of anarchy where people do not want to be governed. Don't tell me what to do, preacher. I'll do my own thing. And it's not only in the ministry that they rebel against. It's against everybody. Everybody. And if you cross them, you could be their best friend and they'll rebel against you because that's the spirit of the age. Just do your own thing. Do whatever you feel like doing. It don't matter who you run over. It don't matter who you stomp on. It don't matter who you rob. If it feels good, just go ahead and do it. If you want to rape her, go ahead. If you want to do that kind of stuff, just go ahead. You have a right to do whatever you please. I know that's plain, but that's the spirit of the world. But I want to tell you something. The first thing that God done with his nation is he has established law. He took Moses upon the mountain and there he gave him the Ten Commandments. Moses come down, and I don't have time to go through all this tonight. I'm, I'm getting to this one law. But did you know that God hated murder so much? If you study the Old Testament, that if a murder was committed, they did not even have to know who the culprit was, but whatever city was closest to the scene of that crime had to go and had to offer a blood sacrifice for the atonement of that murder. Now that is the value that God placed on human life. Now I know in America, abortion's nothing to us. It just gets common to us, but I wanna tell you something. Somebody's gonna have to give atonement for all the abortions that are going on in America. God's been stirring my heart. You say, well, you shouldn't preach that kind of, I wanna tell you something. If we don't say nothing, we're gonna be standing here in the rain when God's poured out his judgment. It's time for somebody to recognize that God's not gonna put up with that kind of ignorance all the time. Somebody's gonna have to stand up and say, hey, abortion is a sin. It's not a crime, it's a sin, and God hates it. They can talk about, you know, it's so, it aggravates me to no end, the news media, and I don't I don't like to get politics involved. They'll get some dingling over there to write up about all the stuff that's going on in Africa, and how many of those people are getting killed over there, and I know a missionary that was over in South Africa, and he says that the way they do that is the communists stand back, long range, with high-powered rifles, and they get in a riot, and they'll shoot somebody, and then they'll blame it uh, on the government over there. Uh, he said, I watched them do it myself, uh, and that's all propaganda, but yet this commonness and atheistic news media that we have, they'll go over there and they'll say, look at these human rights that are being violated. Look at all this. Why, and they use race, and they use prejudice, but right here in America, you never hear anything about the little child that's saying, hey, give me a right to be a preacher. Give me a right to be a lawyer. Give me a right to be a doctor. Give me a chance. If you don't want me, let somebody else adopt me. Just give me a right to live. Hey, I'm telling you, America, it's time for us to stand up and say, thus saith the word of God. We need to stand up
3: for the word of God.
0: God knew one of these days there was gonna be an accident. God's law is perfect. That's what David said. Thy law is perfect, oh Lord. Hallelujah. So the Lord told Moses, okay Moses, I said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. God requires blood for blood. That's moral law. That's not Old Testament law, that's law of eternity. That was there before the Old Testament was ever in the law. God knew that there was gonna be a mistake or maybe a herd of oxen with a plowshare behind them would get loose and a little child, now stick with me. Hallelujah, I feel in my spirit some of you are wondering. Stick with me, let me preach tonight. How many of you gonna let me preach tonight? There's some folks here that need to hear what I got to say tonight. God knew that there was gonna be a time where maybe a, a, a herd of oxen or a yoke of oxen with a plowshare behind them would get loose and the little child run out in the street to get his toy or whatever they had back in those days. And the herd of oxen would run over him and he'd kill the little child. It was nobody's fault. The guy couldn't help it because the herd of oxen got away and neither could the mother help it because just because she turned around and something else that her child ran out in the street. It's just that way, but yet there were disputes and somebody said, hey, they deserve to die because God requires, life, for life. They deserve to die. They've got to die. So God established a perfect law. He made six cities, and I named them to you tonight, that he said that if this should happen, the guilty party can run to this city, and there in this city, they will be safe until they face the Sanhedrin, and they have been cleared, or they have been appointed Guilty. And if they are guilty, then they are appointed to die. They were to stone them or to kill them. If it, the case was all muddled up, where well, they couldn't decide what it was. That person had to stay in that city until the high priest died. You say, well, what about my children? I'm sorry, that accident happened, you gotta stay there. Now I'm building something, stick with me. What about my wife? Well. I'm sorry, that that happened. You can go out there, but you're taking a risk if you go out there, because the Bible said the avenger of that blood, if he ever saw you, he could kill you right there and he could be innocent. But it's lonely in here. Well, it's up to you, you can go out there if you want to, but I wouldn't because the avenger's out there. And this is where our story culminates tonight. We find that Israel, in the book of 2 Samuel, was in a civil war. Saul had just been killed by the Philistines, and that dude had stepped on him and lied. You know that Amalekite lied? He didn't kill Saul. Saul killed himself. He was a liar. He thought he was big stuff, went and told David, look what I done for you, and David hewed him to pieces. DEATH! Saul had been killed, he killed himself. His sons had been killed. Israel was in turmoil, and David stepped to the throne. He was the anointed of God. But yet there were still still some sons of Saul that were left. And the Bible said that Israel was in turmoil because a, 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 a majority of them wanted David to be king, and yet a majority of them wanted Saul's sons to be king. But the prophecy of God from the man of God, who was the judge Samuel, said no, Saul's seed shall be cut off from the kingdom. That's what the Bible said. He would rule no longer. His children would not rule. But yet there were people that wanted them to rule, and it was civil war. It wasn't only talking for him. They were killing each other. If you study the Bible, Joab and Abner were in it. They were fighting it out. They wanted to, They either side, both sides wanted to win and set their man up as the king until finally David grew sick of it. And he said, all right, enough is enough. There's a there's been enough bloodshed in Israel and if we keep fighting like this, uh, the people on the outside are gonna see the division on the inside uh, and they're gonna come and destroy us uh, and that's the way the church is. Uh, If there's fighting and fussing and carrying on, uh, the devil knows that he can't get it from the outside uh, so he works on it from the inside. Uh, The Bible said the gates of hell cannot prevail against uh, the church. Uh, The devil knows that so he tries to get in here and work on us. So David called Abner, he said enough of it Abner, it's enough, we've had enough bloodshed in this city, in this country and Abner he was tired of war, he didn't wanna fight and David probably told him man there's a place for you here in this kingdom, you're a good general and he was, it wasn't his fault that Saul went bad and so they made a deal but Abner didn't like it I don't know what the problem was he must have been jealous or something I don't know what it was Joab didn't like it because Abner and David made peace and so he, he connived in his little head and he set this scheme up and the Bible said the boys of Israel were out there playing and the way they played is they cut up, they took out their swords and started cutting now I know I'm paraphrasing this but you can go home and read it and you'll find out what I'm saying is true when you get home hallelujah and uh, the, he, he started noticing that his side was losing So he done what was smart. He picked up his heels and put them down and took off as fast as he could go. And the Bible said that there was a young man who was the brother of Joab by the name of Azahel. And the Bible tells us that Azahel was fleet of foot. He was a fast man. And when he looked up and he saw Abner, he's like a bunch of you young men out there. Like a cock, you know, running around with all the chickens trying to show how tough you are. i seen two pheasants fighting on the way to McPherson the other night. Uh, and that's the way a young man is, you know, he gets a girl on his eyes. Look, buddy, that's mine. Don't you mess with her. And he's a hell he caught a vision of all of these beautiful women looking at him with the helmet of Abner and the sword of Abner and the shield and the armor of Abner and he said oh my goodness uh, there goes a trophy and so he took off running and the Bible said they had a foot race and a half I mean they were running over rocks they were climbing cliffs they were running around trees they were kicking up dust. and the sweat was flowing and they were climbing the hills and they were panting and puffing and the Bible said that, that Azahel was gaining on him and so Abner was running harder but he's a little older and he's panting and he was puffing and he looked behind and Azahel Still kept running. And he got close enough and he said, hell turn aside. There's been enough bloodshed in Israel today. hell said, No way, man. I'll have my pick of any girl in the kingdom when I get your hide today. He said, Boy, you never saw the day you could kill me. Turn aside. I don't want to kill you. Oh, no, man. You wait till I get your hide. Look, you're not even dry behind the ears yet. Turn aside. I don't want to kill you. Your mom's going to weep over you. the Bible said uh, that three times he told that young man uh, he'd done everything that he possibly could uh, to get that young man off his back uh, until finally he did not even miss his stride uh, running as hard as he could Uh, he just turned that spear around and threw it uh, and stuck it up under the fifth rib of Azahel that he died and man he did do it because that's just what Joab wanted he'd been waiting for an excuse uh, to get Abner Uh, Aha! even if he had to kill his own brother Uh, he wanted something to get Abner but the Bible said that Abner made it to the city of Hebron I want to stop right here and tell us tonight that God done everything that he possibly could for you and I to be saved he never intended for anybody to be lost god condemns nobody you condemn yourself the bible said god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved because the world was already condemned because they did not believe on him and by the way, there's a, there's a tremendous difference between the definition of condemnation and the definition of conviction. Condemnation is a pronouncement of doom. Conviction is an awareness of what has been pronounced over you. Oh, and people don't try to push it down that God's condemning you just because he's convicting you. You're the one that condemns yourself. Your sin condemns you. And when God makes you aware of it, you need to repent of it. God done everything that He could to make it safe for us. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is light and my burdens are light. The Bible tells us that God's way is not the hard way. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I want to tell you something, backslider. God's yoke's not heavy the Bible says the way of a transgressor is the hard way that's the rough way you say you don't know what I'm going through oh yeah I do too a lot of you saints don't even know I was backslidden when I was sitting in this church there were nights I'd go home and go to bed and I knew if God come I'd go to hell that night I'm telling you it's ten times easier to live with your conscience clean knowing that God has forgiven you than to sit there and to know the truth and know that if you should die or if God should come you'd be lost the Bible tells us that Satan like Joab is the avenger of that sin Revelation tells us in 12 and 10 that he is the accuser of the brethren. He stands there before God and he says, look, God, she's a sinner. Look, God, he committed sin. They belong to me, God. The Bible tells us that's what he told God about Job. He said, oh, God. The Bible said he was accusing Job. He was telling lies on Job. He was saying things about Job that were not even so. And that's what he does. He comes to you. Uh, He accuses you. Uh, He tells you you can't live for God. Uh, You can't do it. Uh, You'll just fall right back in the same rut. Uh, You'll go to the same places. Uh, You'll visit the same people. Uh, You'll cuss like you used to cuss. Uh, You'll smoke like you used to smoke. Uh, You'll drink like you used to drink. Uh, But I'm telling you, God done everything uh, that he possibly could uh, to make a way of escape for you. god condemns nobody satan condemns romans the eighth chapter the first verse there is therefore now no condemnation to the host excuse me who are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death you know what happened I fell into sin and there wasn't no way out of it and I was running and I was saying oh God what am I gonna do how am I gonna get out of this and God saw it so he made a city of refuge he made a fleshly body he come down here and live like I did he was tempted like like I was tempted, Uh, in all manner like man was tempted. Uh, And he was crucified uh, for my sins. Uh, He arose and he said, be of good cheer. Uh, I have overcome the world. Uh, And if I can overcome the world, uh, you can overcome the world. Uh, By the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, he has made a way of escape uh, so that I don't have to bear the sin. for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. You know better than to do those kind of things. But your flesh is weak. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled and those who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit my God I never knew that's the answer when God gave me this message I knew there was a lot here in Romans 8 chapter and I preached out of 47 million times more or less, but a lot of times, hallelujah, and all of a sudden God started showing this to me, I said, God, how do I get out of this temptation, how do I get out of this condemnation, how do I do that, and he said, the way you do it is to walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak to the flesh, there's no way to overcome cigarettes in the flesh, there's no way to overcome alcohol in the flesh, it's just like Alcohol Anonymous said, once an alcoholic, oh, alcoholic but you know what the bible says in second corinthians 5 and 17 therefore therefore if any man be in christ jesus he is a new creature all things are passed away and behold all things are become new I want to tell you something. One, One time a few years ago I was a sinner and I was running and I was saying Oh God, please help me. My God, the devil's on my back. He wants to make a whoremonger out of me. He wants to make a cusser out of me. He wants to make a dope addict out of me. He wants to make a rock and roll player out of me. He wants to make a love of the world out of me. My God, what am I going to do? And I was running and all of a sudden I saw the gates of City and he said, There it is. There's the city. I ran in there. I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the devil come booking up there. And all he could do was stop. Cause the gates of hell cannot prevail. Against the church. And so what he tries to do, he tries to entice you out. Come on out. Come on out here. Come on. You know what he wants you to do? He wants you to get carnal. Because right there in Romans eight chapter he said the carnal mind is enmity against God. He's not stupid. He knows what it takes to destroy you. You say, oh, they're so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. Thank God. Thank God. Hey, let me put you to an experiment tonight. Be honest with me. Tell me the times that you've fallen into error. When are those times? Are they when you're spiritual or when you're acting crazy and carnal? It's when you're crazy and carnal. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, that's your city. The Holy Ghost is your refuge. Stay in the Holy Ghost, stay in the Holy Ghost. Don't get outside, your refuge is in the Holy Ghost. lord have mercy the holy ghost is more than hanging from a chandelier leaving your footprints on the ceiling it's your refuge Uh, David said I stumbled I faltered I believe it's Psalm 73 go home and read it Uh, I stumbled I faltered I saw the wicked in their prosperity Uh, I said God how come they're being successful Uh, and they're outside the church Uh, my God and here I am poor Uh, I can't even pay my trailer payment this month God Uh, I can't even pay my income taxes this month God Uh, and there they are making buku money uh, and having a good time Uh, and what do I do and God said hey that's flesh and then he said and then when i walked into the house of the lord when i got in the city of refuge hey don't stay out there and let the devil beat you down get in here this is the city of refuge my faith is weak i'm going down Oh, that spirit of lust gets a hold of you and you know it does young man young lady it gets to churning inside of your gut you try to get away from it That man it's just a rolling it's just a rolling you say God how do I get out of it you don't get out of it that's the way he made you the only way you knew do it is to get in the Holy Ghost and say God I gotta have
3: you I gotta have you I need you Lord
0: That's your city. My faith wavered. My faith wavered. My faith wavered. Hey, how's the Bible say to build up your most holy faith? How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? You know what some of your problem is, young man and young lady? You come up here and stick your nose in the carpet for five minutes and then start looking for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You need to get up here and get in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Holy Ghost. Pray until you're in the Holy Ghost. Having trouble with my bills. Depression is getting me. Somebody say, oh, you get the Holy Ghost. You don't have depression. Why well, would like to have their Holy Ghost? I get depressed. But I don't believe it's the will of God that you be depressed. Oppression spirits will oppress you. They'll linger around, try to beat you down. They stand around the gates of the city like Joab and say, come on out Abner, come on out. Come on out, man, let's talk this over like a man. Come on, they just hound you. That preacher don't know what he's talking about. Come on down here and let us tell you how to live. Why he's just all hard, man. I know I'm preaching late, but I've only preached 40 minutes. Oh, you got a two hour tape. I feel the Holy Ghost up here tonight. Y'all think I'm having fun and I am, but I want to tell you there's some people here tonight that God wants to deliver. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Ain't no fun in there. Or to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind fell. It doesn't even know what the law of God is. It was cut off from the law of God when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And the way to get back to God is not through the carnal intellect. And not through mentally assenting that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The way to come back is the rebirth or the revival of the human spirit with god Uh, hallelujah that makes a new man uh, like second corinthians 5 and 17. Uh, he wasn't talking about the carnal man Uh, the carnal man is still full of lust Uh, he's still full of envy Uh, he's still full of hatred Uh, but the spirit of man has been revived Uh, and he's crying abba father uh, i found you god Uh, i found you again oh god Admiral was safe as long as he was in that city. And here's one they'll use. Well, if you go down there, they put you in bondage. Now, I'm not talking against people. I'm talking about the spirits that govern people. We have not received a spirit of bondage. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians. You go down there, they put you in bondage. They put all these restrictions on you. You can't go here, you can't go there. You can't do this, you can't do that. You can't be this, you can't be that. You can't do this, you can't do that. You don't do that, you don't do this. That's all the religion some people has got. It's don't do and can't do, don't do and can't do. That's why young people backslide, because that's all they ever saw in churches, don't do and can't do. They never saw the beautiful city of refuge, the deliverance. You say, I never smoked pot. I'm telling you, God delivered you just the same. He delivered you. He died for you just the same. Just because you never smoked it doesn't mean that you no, wasn't delivered from it. It'd be better that you never tasted of it, because it'll leave scars there that you can't ever get rid of. But if you never accept, experience it. You say, my God, I can live in innocence. I can live in naivety. You call it naivety. Oh, You want me to tell you what I call it? I call it liberty. I call it liberty. I call it liberty. I call it, I call it freedom. <laughs> Abner, don't go out there. Oh, but I'm in bondage in here. I go over there. I can do what I want to. I will admit there were walls around that city. There were walls around that city. But those walls were not to keep people in. Those walls were to keep Joab out. As long as Abner stayed in that city, he could do what he wanted to do. He could hang his head over the balcony and look at Joab and go. There wasn't a thing Joab could do about it. He could sit out there and holler and scream and carry it all he He couldn't do a thing. If he'd have stepped one foot in that city, the guards of that city would have hewed him to pieces. That was the law of God. He could not come in there. Let me tell you something about the holy place. Ooh, where the angels are. There's something. The devil would love to get in here because that's the key. There's the power. and He would love to have the secret to the power. That's what he wanted from God. And he tried to get in there. And God kicked him out of heaven. God caught him eavesdropping, And he said, get out of here, boy. This don't belong to you. But that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to come on out. Tell me about it, man. Come on out. You can have the same freedom out here. He tries to mimic the church. He tries to get a counterfeit. He tries to justify and to ease your conscience and say, well, it's all right. But all he wants to do is kill you. But I'm telling you, there's something about the Holy Ghost. You can be driven by temptations. Temptation. It can I'm telling I know what I'm talking about. I've had temptation come on me, and I would sing, I would count, I would I'd say in Jesus' name for an hour, and it's still there. Go around Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And the temptation's up in my head. But I want to tell you something, friend, and I'm not demeaning the power of Jesus one bit there's one thing to call upon the name of Jesus and then there's another thing to call upon the name of Jesus I heard some boys trying to cast out a devil in the name of Jesus that Paul preached that ain't gonna do any good you gotta cast out in the name of Jesus that you have experienced to know about something and then know about something are two different things And that temptation would drive me. But friend, I want to tell you something. I know what I'm talking about. Listen to me. I could come to the church. I could fall on my knees and begin to pray and say, God, and I can't do this, Lord. God, I don't have the strength. I don't know why anybody else is a Superman, but I'm not, God. And this is driving me. It's killing me. And God, I'm going to fall. I cannot for God, and begin to pour my heart out. And you know what the key is? The key is just begin to worship him with your heart. And it won't be long, the old tears will start flowing, and that old temptation will start crumbling, praying in the Holy Ghost, get in the city, run in the city, get in there, stay in there. When the devil comes, all he can do is stand outside. He can't do a thing. Abner, 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 don't go out there. Listen to this verse, Hebrews 12. You don't think the church is powerful? You don't know it. You're sitting in a heavenly place tonight. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 but ye are come into mount Sinai and into the city of a living God the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all And listen to this. This is what I like. And the spirits of just men made perfect. You know how to get perfect. Get in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Holy Ghost. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Oh, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh of better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse him not that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Abner, I'm telling you in the fear of God tonight, don't walk out of here. Don't go out. I want us to stand. Church, if you ever prayed for conviction, I'm asking you to pray for it now. Abner, listen to me tonight. Every eye closed. Pray quietly, please. I want them to hear what I'm saying. Don't stop praying. I don't want you to stop praying. Listen to me, Abner. Joab's out there waiting on you, Abner. You walk out there, you're walking back to the same alcohol. You're walking back to the same cigarettes. You're walking back to the same spirits of lust. You're walking back to the same bitter spirits, jealous spirits. You're walking back. You say, oh, by the outer. He's not really that bad. He's winking at me. We're, we're going to talk this over like a man. We're gonna, You know, it amazes me how people try to out-psychologize the devil. And he's had 6,000 years to deal with men. He is the master of every trick. You're talking to somebody that tried every way in the world to play with his conscience and to get around repentance. I know what it's like to go home and say well I really am sorry God but no deep down in my heart I'm not just do it to appease my conscience and the devil laughs he chuckles he'll even take the temptation off you for a while to make you think you got victory over it, and all of a sudden he'll hit you and he just laughs when you wall around and you say oh God I thought I was delivered God! Oh, God. Joab sits out there and laughs. Come on out, Abner. We'll be all right. Oh, preacher, all I watch is the news. What's wrong with the news? I'm telling you, television is from the pits of hell. You say you shouldn't preach that way, you're an evangelist. I want to tell you, television is worse, maybe, than cigarettes and alcohol. Lust, fornication, adultery, hatred, murder. It's on the news too, friend. Don't tell me it's not. Stealing, cheating, immorality, not immorality. They're beyond morality. God is dealing with somebody tonight you're in the city of the holy place you're in the city of just men made perfect you're in the city of refuge come on Abner see that you refuse him not that speaketh how shall we escape come on backslider come on backslider God knew he told me what to preach tonight come on don't walk out of here Don't walk out of here. God, you're in the city of refuge tonight. Joab's waiting with a knife of lust. He's waiting with a knife of temptation. Can you not see it? Some of you are playing around with sins. You think are little now, but they grow into giants. They take over your life. And you say, God, how do I get out of this pit? Tonight there's liberty in the Holy Ghost. Tonight there's liberty. Come on, Abner. Don't walk out of this city. Don't leave here without the Holy Ghost tonight don't leave here without victory tonight God knows who you are he knows your sincerity he says blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness he's here to deliver you tonight he's here to deliver you tonight would you come would you come would you come hallelujah Come on young men, some of you young men that are acting like you're in church, you're not in church. You need to get up here and repent it. There's things in your heart that's not right. You're playing around with Joab. He's trying to lure you just in the gates. Just get colonel for a little bit, that's all he wants, so he can stick his knife in you. Oh, don't walk out there and backslide. Just get in the gate of the city. Just get carnal a little while. Come on. He'll
3: be be blessed.
0: you're going to wait how long you're going to fight with your conscience